Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to HR Tech Chat. And uh, our latest episode is going to be a great one. I have with me here today, Debbie Toole, who is Chief Joy Officer at Symphony Talent. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me, Brad. Excited yeah. to be here. Yeah, so I I'm glad to have you here too. And, uh, uh, you know, we had a conversation a while back. And, well, first of all, I just... Let's let's let our um, our audience in on this a little bit. You folks are at your annual user conference right now for for Symphony Talent. Is that correct? We are. So this is our fifth annual Transform Conference. This year we are filming it for a virtual um, launch. So a lot of our sessions will be live, but we're doing a lot of behind the scenes kind of B roll filming. Um, today. So we're in Lansing, Michigan with Tim Sackett and Torin Ellis and uh, Chad and Cheese Podcast and Julie Sowash, a whole crew of people in the talent acquisition space. So forgive the background noise. We're actually filming at the Lansing Brewery. Um, and I think they're like moving kegs behind me today. I thought I found a quiet space. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> that's quite all right um uh you know it could be worse it's a brewery that's really cool in my opinion um it would be better I, if i actually had a beer with me I, I started that, that would be the ultimate I, we, we still i'm gonna do an hr tech chat at some point uh with with <laughs> drinking a beer um <laughs> and anyway, viewers may not be aware but i'm actually standing at a bar i'm always standing at a bar in our finished basement at our at our home uh when i'm doing hr tech chat so we have that in common today i guess <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So they literally have a forklift. Do you want me to move and try to find somewhere quieter? We could, we could, um, we could restart if you want. Okay, we're back. Um, uh, Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> it's okay. Hopefully, a little De bit quieter now. Debbie wanted to move in, and there were forklifts moving kegs in the background. It's getting kind of loud, but so we're not now. We're in the seating area of of the uh, the brewery, which I think this will be fun. So <laughs> nice to have you. Um, your job title is so cool, um, and I just you know that that's frankly um, the. And, and I'll just let you know a little little joke. Um, Today, I sent you an email earlier today. It says, hey, looking forward to the podcast recording today and all that. Just customary. We do that with the uh, guests. And I almost wrote, I almost wrote high joy instead of high. <laughs> I mean, it is amazing when your title becomes synonymous with your name. I will take that as a we are doing something right check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where did that come about? Like, what, what's the philosophy behind that? I'm very, very curious. You know, I get the question a lot. What is a chief joy officer? Or I want that title or that is the coolest title ever. Like, what do you do? And, you know, we we set on a mission about a year ago. Uh, Symphony Talent had acquired Smashlight. I come from the Smashlight business, which is a talent acquisition technology. And we said, okay, what are we as a joint company? What is kind of the driver or the why behind what we're doing? What is the why behind why customers engage with us? What is the why behind why employees want to work for us? And we did a lot of research using um, a lot of our internal talent said, okay, you know, we believe that we can make a mark in this industry around bringing joy back to the candidate experience, back to the recruiter, 
um, and ultimately deliver exceptional experiences to get people back to work faster. And that's our space to own. And if, if our executive team is behind this and says we own this, we need somebody who's in charge of making sure that we deliver on it um, and that we communicate it to the market appropriately. So I get the pleasure of, of doing that to make sure that our employees are finding joy in the work that they're doing, that we're able to deliver joy to our customers that are using our technology, um, and that ultimately that together delivers joy to the candidates when they really need it, which is right now. I love it. And I mean, this, this is a huge pain point um, in the talent acquisition space. I mean, I've been hearing about it for years and, and I don't think it can really, well, I'm going to back into this. So part of me thinks, you know, I can't really uh, be, you know, hold them. You can't really be too upset with the talent acquisition people because they're dealing with huge volumes of people. You hear about, you know, you need to get back to people even if you don't hire them or if they didn't get the job, you need to get back to them in the, them in a timely fashion and all this. If you're just a human being with say, you know, maybe a suboptimal or a clunky or old, say ATS, or you don't even have a candidate relationship management uh, system or something like that, it could be a very, very tall order, maybe even impossible to, to, to provide that level of high touch uh, to folks who might not have got the job, but you want them to be a customer in the future, or, or you may need, want them to come back or need them to come back later for a different job that they would be right for. Um, so, so this has been, you know, and, and you know this, obviously, this has been floating around talent acquisition for a while. Um, what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, what can talent acquisition be doing? Just if you look at the average, the base, well, the baseline, you know, what could people be doing better in talent acquisition uh, and it's impeded maybe by their technology? So Brent, you, you covered it actually in the question. There needs to be transparency, there needs to be communication, and we need to treat people like humans. Um, it is the least that we can do. And research shows that, you know, 10% maybe here back after they've applied to a job, that means we're leaving 90% of the applicant base with no communication as to what their status is, what the next step is, was their resume reviewed, even after an interview, the communication is lacking. So that's first and foremost. But if we take a look at what organizations have done in the last decade around the consumer experience, we've made drastic improvements. Mm. We now see that packaging means everything. Little notes to the consumer about how you built your product and why you built your product the way it has and the way that they consume that product makes a difference. And that's because there are people with inside organizations that are focused on the consumer experience, right? We need to apply that same methodology to recruiting. This is just as important. These are the people that are working at your organization. So we need to architect it of how can we do the best um, job that we can for the majority and then apply that at scale. And, and it's difficult. There is, you know, some nuances that you need to take into consideration. But if we can start to make minimal improvements around transparency about the process, open communication and treating those candidates at hum as humans, then we've done a good job of, of providing some of that joy back into the experience. So a couple of things that you mentioned. First, 
I love the fact that you mentioned treating people like humans <laughs> because they are, they're humans, you know, they're not uh, widgets or, you know, uh, employees aren't, and we could go down a rabbit hole right now that I'm going to try and help us not necessarily, <laughs> but, you know, looking at your workforce is more than just a commodity, you know, or a cost center. Uh, I was having a conversation with uh, another uh, person on the podcast uh, about a month ago or so talking about, you know, if you actually move your workforce, we're talking about the actual people who are who already hired, right, who are working for the organization, move them out of the cost column and into the asset column, like literally somehow figured out how to do that in, in your accounting uh, system so that you can start invest, looking at them as something to invest in. Um, treating people like humans, um, there's a lot of potential, very good upside to that. And what's interesting is that, um, and, and maybe we could speak to this a little bit. Um, and let me just add a little bit more flavor here. So as you were talking, I was thinking, okay, what are some of the dynamics, like economic dynamics that have um, prompted organizations to be so attentive to their customers and potential customers versus uh, that may not be there when it comes to treating potential new hires, right? And it, but, and then it occurred to me, well, okay, if we look at all potential new hires or all potential candidates as also potential customers, then then that kind of weaves in, that kind of, um, you know, combines the two. I don't know if, uh, am I making any sense here? I mean, how you do we- absolutely are. And yeah, I, I think ahead. that works really well for brands that have a B2B, B2C business. It becomes a lot more difficult when they don't. Mm. Um, but yes, we need to think about those candidates as consumers, they are your consumers, right? Your consumers tend to be your best employees. Um, but it's more than that, right? Like they are the ones that are delivering your product. They are the ones that, you know, are the face of your organization. They should be an extension of your leadership team. And it's really simple, right? Like if you are in talent acquisition, if you're in recruiting, or even if you're just a line manager that has, you know, recruiting as a bullet as to what you're doing, you went through that process with the company. Think back to how was I communicated to? What would I like to do differently? Um, or what did I like about the process? And then how do we scale it? How do we make it to where everyone gets that experience? And something as simple as, you know, we buy CRMs, we buy applicant tracking systems, and they come with a stock email that says like, okay, we close out the requisition. Sorry, you didn't get the job, right? Let's rewrite that in the tone of the organization. And let's take somebody from our marketing team or our comms team, or even create a role that is responsible for communication. And let's rewrite it in our culture that sounds more human, that like, if, yeah. as I were talking to you, like, we loved you. We thought you were a great fit. Unfortunately, we had another, you know, candidate or, hey, we are going to keep in touch with you. I mean, you need to be honest too, right? So mm -hmm. have the right tech in place. But if we can even just start changing the language and the frequency with which we're communicating to customers, we'll be leaps and bounds ahead of where we are. Well, you bring up a good point. And it also kind of parlays with this idea that, well, Recruiters are kind of like an organization's frontline workers, 
like any organization, doesn't matter what the product is, that there's always a frontline worker and it's the recruiter. Um, yep. And, you know, so they really are sort of the personification. Uh, they're, they're the expression of the brand personified, right? And so um, it's absolutely essential to give them all the tools they need to, uh, to, to express that brand as accurately as possible. Um, and, and so that they're, they're not impeded in some way from, from doing so. And, and you know, I mean, there's so much involved that's beyond the technology too, right? You wanna have the recruiters in place that understand that, right? Um, in terms of the technology itself, however, uh, what, what are some of the things that, that, that an organization should look for in the technology itself for talent acquisition that's gonna, and going to enable them to, to treat their job candidates like humans as opposed to, you know, uh, I don't know, widgets or, or whatever? Yeah, you're right. The recruiters are the front line of the company, and that's why part of our mission is we do believe that you've got to create recruiter joy first. Um, they have to love what they're doing um, in order to have an honest conversation that's going to sell that candidate on their company. Um, and so I think it starts with actually sitting down and talking to your recruiters, um, understanding what are the pain points, where are they getting bogged down? Is it in, you know, it could, it's going to vary per company, right? For some, it's like, hey, I am having no problem bringing in talent into the funnel, but I don't have time to look at them. Okay, then let's let's apply some type of technology that's going to help us in screening out the candidates that are coming in. For others, it could be like, hey, I have no problem. I delivered this hiring manager 12 qualified candidates. They're sitting on his desk. I haven't heard anything. All right, let's go fix that problem. And that may be a process. Thing, not a technology, right? I'm not saying that tech solves everything. Um, what we are doing though, or at least what I am seeing in this space is we're seeing some broad strokes things that are happening and we're applying tech because I think we have this problem and so I'm gonna apply technology and now recruiters are forced to learn something else that's actually adding time to their day not reducing time from their workload um, and they're getting overwhelmed. And right now we're seeing major churn across every industry and it's happening at the recruiter level as well. So they're short staff, they're working on heavy rec loads and they're falling back on what they feel most comfortable, which is oftentimes not the technology that's been purchased for them to be applied for them. So I think it starts with talking to the recruiter and finding out what those pain points are and then addressing those pain points with either the current tech that you have or changing your processes or keeping people accountable. Um, solve for that first and then figure out, okay, where can we supplement? Where can we enhance the process? Sorry about my hand. I had, there's a mosquito that got into oh, the right. room here. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean, you bring up some good points. Um, one of the things that 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 we've seen, um, and I'm curious uh, around visibility. Sometimes you have systems in place where they're just it really isn't possible for for central HR or or the central talent acquisition team or whoever that is to really understand what's going on in the recruiting process, and that's and so there's no way to actually you know to understand what's going on and, and therefore prescribe. A, um, a you know a, a solution or 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 a way forward for any particular situation. Um, 
what kind of, um, maybe you could speak to that a little bit in terms of visibility into uh, talent acquisition. Is it, um, is this in, is this a sort of a matter of, um, of centralizing, giving it some centrality, you know, not, not fully centralized, but just giving it a little bit of, a bit more uh, visibility in, in, uh, into it from command, something like that? That's a great question. Um, and I, I do see a lot of the Fortune 100 and larger, larger um, organizations starting to look at how do we pull our people analytics into one central system to where we can get that analysis. And I think that works really well. It can be challenging because now you need to get these data outputs to be normalized a bit and that takes work. So it does require some long-term vision and executive sponsorship to get to that place of saying, okay, what are we measuring? How are we measuring it? And let's get our, you know, core systems of record to work together to really get that output where it needs to be. Um, and that then does give you that visibility to then say, okay, here's, here's where we're seeing some things that are broken. And now we have a baseline for measurement for improvement. And I think that's really key is like, what is that baseline of measurement and how are we going to track improvement um, to make sure that whatever we're implementing is working how we intended it to and that we're showing the business that that investment that they made, whether it be an actual monetary investment or a time investment was worth it to the business. Yeah, I think that's a that's a big deal. The baseline, understanding where you are now. <laughs> you don't know what to fix unless you know where you stand present, you know, sort of present state. That's a that's a great point. Let's let's switch gears for a second here because I'm you know, and <clears throat> you don't have to give us sort of you know like a like an hour by hour, but maybe you could give us an idea. What what is a day in the life of a chief joy officer like? And you know, do you live under marketing? Do you live under um, under HR? Like. Where does your role sit and uh, what is that like? It's a bit of a blend. So I report directly into Rapesh, who's our CEO, um, because this is kind of his, his mantra and mission for the organization. I work really closely with our marketing team and taking the messaging out to market. Um, I also work really closely with our growth team, our sales team that works with both net new growth within the business, as well as our retention and upsell of customers. Um, which puts me really close to our customers and prospects. So it's a bit of a blended role. Um, I also work with our product team and taking some of what we've heard back to the product team to make sure that it's actually being developed into the product. Um, so I, while I report into our CEO, I work within all of those organizations to make sure that we're connecting the dots across our customer base, our product, and what we're taking to market. That's a, that's a pretty important um... Um, role, you know, you're sort of liaising between um, many of the um, sort of essential ingredients of the of the organization. Um, now, do you see other organizations say, you know, it's employers who aren't vendors of technology for talent acquisition for or for HCM or anything like that? Um, do you see them like what would you let's put it this way? What would you equate yourself to? Uh, with some of the other some of the other C-suite um, roles out there, like would you equate yourself maybe to a chief people officer uh, at a at some at an employer? Uh, I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm just no, curious. you're fine. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't go on the people side. I don't manage any of our 
actual people side of it. Um, Emily on our team does that. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, she actually uh, moved her family over to Italy when she took the chief people officer role and has done an amazing job for us over there. She's got a, her own story in her own right. Um, it, it would say it's more on kind of a blend between evangelist and kind of product. Okay. I would put it right in there. Um, of if you were, you know, to kind of compare it to another, another title. Um, so I am, I am a salesperson at heart, truthfully. I've held lots of roles um, between, you know, sales. Um, I actually ran product for a little bit. Um, and then on the solutioning side, this was a natural step in my progression as we started taking this on and requested, hey, Debbie, would, he, would you mind stepping in and kind of helping us bridge this gap and pulling the, the kind of three strings together to actually execute on the vision? So, um, you know, a day in a life for me includes um, sitting on our, our leadership meetings and kind of reporting back to the progress that we're making with our joy vision, um, sitting and, and running our um, customer advisory panels to get their feedback on the work that we're doing, um, and then sitting on our weekly product meetings to take that feedback back to product, as well as helping kind of align what our product roadmap is to what we're hearing in the market, what we're seeing from competitors, uh, and then jumping in sales calls whenever needed. So for any of yeah. your listeners, I'm, I'm sure I've bumped into them at some point or another <laughs> <laughs> in their sales cycle. I, usually, I luckily now get to just jump in as more of the thought leader, <laughs> more <laughs> of the consultant than yeah, on, right. on the front lines. Yes, it was. Oh gosh, she's. Uh, I have. She's trying to sell me something, right? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a better yes, it's a better seat to be in. Absolutely, I've, I've never and, sold anybody anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. N neither have I. Um, <laughs> in any event, um, you know that a lot of organizations, you know, marketing, sales, and product, they, <laughs> you know, they 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 kind of struggle to to align. So 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 this is kind of making a little even more sense to me, you know, and the, and the joy part of it is, is, is so in integral to. It's so key. And I will say our product team does an amazing job of listening to our customers. Um, and there is a really fine line between listening to your customers, because oftentimes your customers will tell you that they need something that they don't need. So you have to get to like, what is the goal that you're trying to achieve? Not what is the feature that you want, right? Mm. Like you tell me what the goal is that you want to achieve. We then need to go and find out if that is a your problem or is this an industry problem, right? Okay. And if it's an industry problem, then this is something that we need to solve for, but we need to do it in a way that's outside of solving for this one customer's problem. We need to solve it for all of our customers. And so we'll take that and digest that and then come to our customers and say, okay, here is our approach to it. Let's do some user testing. And that user testing really helps you in identifying, I may be solving the problem, but I'm watching this person work and it's not within their workflow. They're taking too many clicks to get to it, or they actually started here in the process where I thought they would have started there. Let's re-engineer this work before we actually take it to market. Um, and so, you know, the, all of that is, is part of, you know, where the fun comes in and delivering customer product that customers love using that drives, you know, value to their day where their recruiters want to work in the system where it's intuitive. Um, 
and ultimately, you know, drive success. And you know, our, our Rupesh's vision, our CEO's vision, he really wants to be able to take attraction to hiring and automate it all mm. ah, to okay. where the recruiters don't have to do much in that process. Okay. Um, now, we're, that's dream vision. And I think mm-hmm. we can automate a lot of it. There's going to need to be human interaction within that process. Um, but that's kind of where we're visionally going towards. So if we can start to automate the attraction piece through programmatic advertising and mm-hmm. through intuitive sourcing, so we can do all of your talent identification for you and spend your budgets for you to acquire that talent. And then we can do automated engagement, right? We understand what they're looking at, what they're engaging with, what they're interested in, how frequently that they're engaging with your brand. And we can start to serve up content that gets them hooked. Um, and then we can start to automate some of the scheduling and you know, screening pieces of it. We can get you to a pretty well automated top of the funnel type of recruiting to your recruiters can work in the system where you want them, which is your ATS working on that individual requisition where they're spending more of their time building relationships with your internal client, your hiring managers, and then working with that top talent, you know, your three, four that are probably, you know, of most interest for that role, but everybody else still gets a really good experience because it's all designed around the experience. So now we're getting right to, um, uh, what, what I was hoping we would uh, at the outset here is that, you know, this idea, how can, how can the technology eventually really help recruiters or organizations be responsive and high touch or, you know, have a, an element of high touch to all job candidates, uh, even though there's a ton of job candidates in this, you know, if you're just a human being working with email and a spreadsheet or whatever it is, you know, forget it. Um, so in, in, in that and, and what you just described is, you know, that's sort of the next, I, I actually blogged about this. I wasn't expecting this to come up today, but but it actually makes total sense. You know, I blogged about this about, oh, maybe three weeks ago now, uh, just looking at just a series of series I'm doing on the future of work. It was the third installment. It's around all sorts of things, but we talk about AI, blockchain, psychometrics, and all this kind of stuff. But um, I think the, the next we started talking about internally about the idea of automation. What does automation mean? You know, we, we kind of have this, I think there's sort of a reflexive baseline um, thought in response to what automation means. It means, oh yeah, stuff like really repetitive stuff that's administrative work that you need to get rid of because it's just, it's a major efficiency or lack of efficiency there, right? You think about, you know, like repeatable tasks on the, the automobile manufacturer's floor or, or, you know, when you're talking about HCM, you know, like some payroll stuff and scheduling. Okay, fine. But actually, there's that's not what any automation is anything that computers can do, uh, can start doing for us. I mean, that frankly is any of that is automation. You could make even argue that everything that we do is somehow automated in some way, right? Um and now you're talking about what you just described is, is this idea of uh, automating highly complex, um, highly variable processes. Um, and that's, and that's, that's the next, that's the next, um, the next step, I think, in uh, automation is starting to happen. You see, you know, you see some of the uh, acquisitions that UKG just acquired uh, everything benefits, which is a, um, an AI um, uh, 
AI uh, engine for benefits administration and, and older enrollment, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so I kind of rambled a little bit there, but what I'm getting at is this idea that you can, you can expand your understanding of what automation is. And once you do and understand that you need AI or, or, or machine learning or NLP or whatever it is you're calling it right now to make some of that happen, now you're off to the next level and you're able to maybe uh, make some uh, difference there for recruiters in, in this particular um, uh, environment, these circumstances uh, related to- Yeah, you know, uh, Mary Grace Hennessy, who was our, our first um, head of product used to say, let's figure out IA first, intelligent automation before we move to AI, which is more of a buzzword. Mm. Um, but I think it's all important, right? We wanna start with intelligent automation and then let's get to the point where the, you know, machine learning is applied into it. And then we can get into the to the AI. And you're right. We can we can start this really early in the process. These are highly complex things that recruiters should not need to know. Um, if I am recruiting for a technical role, for instance, right? I can go in and I can start sourcing for technical people. Um, but it's not going to be my specialty to understand where I should be advertising to get those people in. It's not going to be my specialty to write emails that are going to grab their attention and get them to apply. Um, and so that is where we can go ahead and apply automation and machine learning to where we can say, okay, look, based on previous roles, this is what's been successful for your organization. And oh, by the way, you just hit, you know, based on previous hiring, we know you need your funnel this big. So you've already got that. I'm going to shut off the funds for that job and I'm going to move them over to this job where you don't have enough applicants yet. We're going to boost that to these five channels based on previous success of both you and other organizations. And we're going to manage that money for you. Not even people, but the computer is because computer is learning over time and understands where that money should be spent and how it should be spent. Should that be in job advertisements? Should that be in retargeting display ads? Should that be on um, closed circuit TV, right? There's so many different ways now that we can do it digitally. We can do it instantaneously and we can save companies a lot of money. And that's just pure advertising, right? And then we've got to get to the point where more organizations are building out smart CRMs that once you find that talent, you own that talent and you are continuing to engage and nurture that talent. And that should all be automated as well. They have told you everything you need to know about them, whether that be by giving you that information, giving you yeah. a resume or giving you an email address or just by their actions. Um, we yeah. see this all the time on the consumer side, right? Um, Pottery Barn knows everything about me. Um, yeah. So they target me with exactly what, you know, I, I see something and Instagram's targeting me, like, yeah. and then I buy the product, right? We can do that same thing with jobs. As soon as somebody is showing intent of like, I am burnt out, I need a break, I need to switch jobs, I need to think about this, like, we should be targeting them and saying, okay, great, yeah. I've got a job for you. Mm. Um, and, and this is where if we've got them and we're, you know, following their intent, we can start converting them to where now your recruiters or talking to their hiring managers and saying, oh, you need um, a technical consultant? Guess what? I've already got a pipeline for you of 12 of them. And here are the 10 that have been most active with our brand recently. Let me reach out to them. And it's a much quicker, while we're waiting for the rec to get approved in the two week process that that's gonna take, 
I've already got your short list of candidates and I never had to advertise that job. Yeah. Yeah. What is, what is that move? There's okay. So mm-hmm. the, those are like the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross leads, right? That those are the warm leads. What's that movie um, with uh, Alec Baldwin and um, uh, Al Pacino and they're, they're in real estate. And, you know, and the guy says coffees for closers and all Have you heard of this movie? I can't, I can't remember the name of the Wish movie. I, I think it's, I think it is Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, but the whole idea is that, you know, that the, um, there's an, an analogy here. So that, you know, only the, the best agents get the warm leads, right. And the others, you know, they have to kind of, you know, make it on their own. Um, but, but it made me think of that because those, those are the warm leads, those 12, I think you said 12 right there. I, I know it's just an example out of thin air, yeah. but, but, but those are the warm leads. And, and, you know, if you think about, you know, what, what is like the most inefficient thing a recruiter could be doing? It's just cold, cold calling. calling. Like, yeah, just like spray and pray. I mean, you know, that's just not, <laughs> you hear all sorts of different terms. Post and pray, throw spaghetti at the wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. There know, are a few others we won't calling. say. <laughs> cold calling is, yeah, I mean, yeah. let's just put cold calling on there too, right? You can automate that too, because nobody picks up a phone anymore and you can automate text messaging. So, yes. you know what? Like, fine, if you want to put cold calling on your list, Great. Text messaging is highly efficient, even for job searches. But you can automate that. You don't need somebody behind a computer sitting there texting. That can that's, be done for you. That's right. And and you're and what you're doing is so. so the, another thing that that this achieves, and and um, just just kind of um, uh, you know, weaving it into what we've been talking at three about at three sixty insights is we talk about abstract and concrete HCM. You know, in the you know the concrete stuff is it's a uh, easily readily quantifiable from a financial standpoint so you know you talk about all that automated stuff all saving that the the ai or or the ia i love that ia get get your ia right before you talk about ai right i love that um but that stuff is you know it's 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 being much more efficient with your dollars and so you can save the uh, hiring organization that you're working with that amount of money that's that's very easily uh, understand right? yeah it okay that that's just a number that goes right into the gl you know and that's great right but then the other the upside of it is the, that's the concrete part the abstract part of it is that's sort of the upside so what is how do you quantify from a financial standpoint the ability to speak with 12 really warm leads all right okay you might be able to quantify that from the standpoint of okay those recruiters are spending probably going to spend a lot less time so you know time to fill is going to take a lot less time for instance okay okay but sure but then you think about those people once they're in the organization you have there's no way to quantify today just how great they're going to be for the organization down the line so one of the things that i like to say and um, this came from out of a conversation uh, internally, actually, in the past couple of weeks. You know, your what's what's abstract today is going to be concrete later. So, what you can quant, what you can't quantify today, you may well be able to quantify later. And this works in the and you know in the negative too, right? If you're not understanding that because you're not doing something now, you may not be a going concern in three years. Once you're going concern, that's no longer going concern. That's that's the ultimate um, entry in the in the in the general ledger. I'd like to say, you know. Um, so so doing everything that you can today 
to ensure that your employer brand is buttressed as, as much as possible and, and, and amplified in, in the most positive way. And, and being able to combine that with, with things that the organization today understands as, as uh, financially um, beneficial and can actually record into the, in, into the, uh, the accounting ledger. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that we've really seen a shift in is um, talent acquisition saying, okay, look, we cannot fully own time to fill because once we've handed it over to the hiring manager, we can't control all of that, right? And like the offers being made and the things like that. So we can control time to find, time to deliver qualified candidates. And so we've seen more TA leaders putting a focus on that. How do we reduce our time to find talent? Mm -hmm. um, and so that means that our recruiters have delivered a qualified slate of candidates to that hiring manager, and we are going to measure that success. Um, that gives you a piece of the puzzle, right? But I think we talked about it earlier. How are we getting the big picture? And that's where you do need these systems to combine. Um, it's really important to be tracking, are the people that you're recruiting, are you able to retain them? Are you looking at your quick, quick quit ratios, right? The people that you bring in that churn because they were sold something in the recruiting process that isn't true to the organization. That is a really good indicator of something that you actually need to fix on the recruiting side because you're being dishonest or something, something's happening. You gotta figure out what's happening, right? So, um, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like what, what may be great today uh, will be hard facts moving forward, but we've got to get to a point within talent acquisition and recruiting and HR where these systems are able to communicate. Uh, and there are some HCM platforms out there that have done a really good job of opening their ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, but even those that have good APIs still don't love to mix and match. There's a lot of competitive nature. We don't see the Salesforce type of open ecosystem within HR tech. And I think it's a big loss to our customers and something I think our customers, meaning just practitioners, need to be pushing on, on HR technology to say, like, we need to work together if we're going to make this work. I was having a conversation recently, just as an example. Um, to me, it just seems almost, I don't want to say literally impossible, but almost impossible or such, such a gargantuan tall order to, um, to combine a separate ATS with a, with a candidate relationship management system. I mean, because to, to make those two work in, in um, you know, as one, when it's two separate applications, that to me just seems to be a very, very difficult task. It would be maybe more, more advantageous, I don't know, to combine them or whatever. I don't know. Um, no, it's an interesting concept and one we've seen playing out for the last 15 years. Uh, if you go back to a lot of the big acquisitions that happened, you know, 10 years ago when SAP acquired success factors and then acquired jobs to web, we saw this start of a consolidation to say, okay, this should all be one. We've also seen it go the opposite direction with, you know, players like um, Workday or smart recruiters start to build their own CRM. Mm -hmm. Where we've come to get in this problem is they're so different in their purposes. 
And I haven't seen anyone get it right yet, which is why we see our customers pair us with any of those players that I just said, right? You've got a CRM that is purpose-built for communicating to everyone and constantly keeping the cycle going. You've got an ATS that is purpose-built for compliance. And they consider candidates for a requisition. And once that requisition is closed, it is nearly impossible to refine those candidates. So... Um, well, I agree with you that it would be amazing if the two were in one. I haven't seen anybody do it well yet. And I think that's because it's really hard to like build for those two separate purposes in one system. It almost makes more sense to keep them separate um, and have a really good recruitment marketing platform. And then, you know, your HCM until I'm sure there will be a disruptor out there that will well the ats is almost like you know the last mile it's analogous to the last mile of uh, of um employee compensation payroll processing right you know there's a you know that there's that last but where you just kind of like bring the person in okay you're and now you're it's like it's like when you go into a, a car a drive-through car wash right and it's a put put your car in neutral foot off the brake you know and then a conveyor brings you in once you're inside the car wash once you're inside the ats it's that's that's just different right the whole it is. the whole thing of of we'll take this we'll take this all the way right okay i'm a car wash and i you know i there's three car wash drive through car washes in town how do i get you to come to mine right and once you go through the kiosk where you pay for the uh for the wash it's it's 12 bucks where i live and um you know, okay, that that's the CRM, right? Okay, now you're getting you're parking into the uh, the ATS. I may have taken that that analogy too far, but but, but I think it's it makes sense, right? You know, you it's once you're in the ATS, you're you're in there. That that's like it's already you're 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 an applicant now. Whereas the candidate relationship management system, that's you're not necessarily an applicant. Applicant means you have applied. The candidate, these are people, these are leads that you're nurturing. So, so I, I love what, what you're saying. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I'm looking at the time and I, and I think we, we may have gone a little bit long, which is okay. That's totally fine. Um, but, but I mean, this has been great. Uh, anything, anything that uh, you think you may have uh, missed that, um, that, that you were hoping we could talk about? We have a couple more minutes. No, I think we've done a good job. I think maybe the one thing I would just note is, you know, I've been talking a lot about large enterprise that tends to be our customer base, but I think these principles can be applied across uh, all size companies. I do think that the smaller organizations tend to be more nimble and able to execute on these strategies a little bit better where we need to get to as an industry as a whole is being able to execute that at a large scale. and I think it's a great opportunity in front of us that we've done a really good job of making um, strides. If you follow the candies and the candidate experience or even our recruitment marketing benchmarks report, we are seeing year over year improvement, but we're seeing baby steps. And I, I just really hope that in the next, you know, three, five years, we're able to make much larger steps where people are doing this at, you know, much larger quantities than it just being the innovators. Yeah. Well, you know, the great resignation might, um, might, might, help might propel that. people forward. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have two t- options at this point. You either take the short-term view and you burn out your recruiters because you're just solving for the like fire that's burning right now. Or you say, this is a big problem that we've got to fix and we need to take a, you know, 12 month, 24 month view. Um, and let's re-engineer things. And I think those that re-engineer things are the ones that are going to win. 
Beautifully put. Thank, thank you so much, Debbie. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Really interesting conversation today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Brent. Pleasure being on. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.